Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Podcast for up-to-date info on the show. Now, let's get into it. Welcome back to No Referees. I'm with my special co-host, Special <laughs> Jennings. What's up, Special? What's going on, E? I love the uh, introduction. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we got uh, a special guest with us all the way from Florida, Mo Spates. What up, Mo? What's good? What's good? I'm glad to be on here with y'all, man. What's going on, man? What you been doing these days? Just really working out and handling all of my business, like outside of basketball. I got a lot of different kind of business I'm doing down here in Florida, from uh, the trucking industry then for, for prep schools and post-grad schools for kids. So I've been working on that kind of stuff right now and, and also following um, basketball stuff. College basketball season just started up. I know that's a great time of year these days. Uh, you get a chance to pay attention to the college game this time of year? Yeah, I went to the University of Florida, so I really just pay attention <laughs> to them or the kids who I coach in AAU, the schools they go to. So it's definitely a fun time for sports and not really – um, just sitting in the house, being able to watch anything because it's basketball on, it's football on, it's college football, and you know what I mean. So it's a lot of different things going on. So it's, it's a good time for everybody. The Florida boys—they're ranked uh, preseason seventh in the nation. What the boys gonna do this year? It's gonna take time for them guys to gel together. Got a couple of McDonald's All Americans. Got a couple of guys supposed to go to the NBA next year. So. It's going to take time. We're going to see what Mike White do with those guys, man, see how you get those guys to jail quick and see what sky's the limit after that. Y'all had a household name on y'all team, um, Noah, Green, Horford, Brewer, um, to name a few. What are those practices like back then? Like what, what, what was practice like with all of those guys? Well, <clears throat> when I first got there, I was – they just had won a championship. So I was coming to a team that was a, just coming off the championship. Got three guys could be top 10 in the draft, they, they, they decided, but they decided to come back. So it's like me coming in as a freshman, 18 years old, playing against these grown guys who just went through the fire and, and won a championship. So for, for me in practice, it was way harder in the games. It was sometimes I was like, man, I don't think I can handle this because I'm playing against guys like Chris Richard and Cor- uh Joe Kim Noah and uh, Al Horford, just name those guys. And it was hard the first week, two weeks. Then it's, it was all about adjusting. I finally got adjusted. Then with the, with those group of guys, I was always competing and, and started getting some minutes. So that was all it was about. It was, it was definitely hard. It was definitely a challenge. But I, I think without that, I will never be where I was at today. Y'all were like the Beatles on campus, huh? Like y'all was making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, the year we won it, man, it was, it was crazy. It was amazing. And I was the only freshman that played in uh, the finals game, so I was getting a lot of love. And that's why, like you said, the second year I came back, I had a lot of pressure on myself because I played like five minutes in the championship game, made a bucket, had a couple rebounds. So they gave me all these expectations of me for the next year, even when I didn't really play that first year. So it was fun. Um, the first year I was there, and the second year I was there is a little different story. But it was, it was a great opportunity for me to have a team on my back and be able to be the man on the team. So 
It was okay. all successful. Well, that's good. Like, it takes a lot. Like, I, I kind of know, you know, that realm of of being the, the hot shots on campus, but it's different for you. You were on campus um, during the Tim Tepo era as well. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, basketball is going strong. Football is going strong. Like, what was that like? When you're a kid, especially growing up in Florida, you want to go to a school like the University of Florida, where you got a good basketball team, you got a good football team. And just being the state of Florida, that's what you look at. You look at Florida State, you look at Florida, you look at Miami. So for me growing up, that was why I, that was one of the schools I always want to go to. So me being on campus and being able to see all these different All-Americans and all these different sports, like you're saying, volleyball, even volleyball and baseball, all those going, all them going to the college world series and going to the volleyball championship and all that. So it, it was fun to see a guy like Tim Tebow and Joe Kim Noah because those guys will always be like two of the best names that ever went to Florida. Joe Kim Noah was like Joe Kim Noah was like a god there. Tebow was like a super god there. So those guys <laughs> couldn't really walk around campus or go around town without people coming up to him and rushing him. So it was amazing to go there and. Guys like Percy Harvin, Brandon Spikes, all those guys, man. And even even uh, Aaron Hernandez, a lot of people knew him and, and, and it was cool with him. So it was, a, it was a great experience. So like when people would see like Mo Space walking with a, a Percy Harvin, who would get the most love around campus, a football or basketball? Man, it's kind of – man, y'all know how that football stuff is, man. Everybody <laughs> got a helmet on. I'm just saying everybody got a helmet on, so it's kind of hard to – except the main people. You know who Percy Harvin, you know who Tebow is, you know who Brandon Spice is. Those, he had dreads, Joe Hayton, and all those guys. But the other guys, you, you might not really know. In basketball, you're going to know everybody. So we, we had our little run, and like I said, I'm just coming off the only one playing in the championship game, so – <laughs> There's a lot of crazy stories and a lot of things happen. Give us a one story from the swamp that you could share with us. Man, you gotta understand. That's like 12, 13 years ago. <laughs> God, <laughs> All right, so we won a championship. I'm just give you a Coach Donovan story, basically. All right, all so right, we cool. won a championship, right? Boom. Right. So we we party, everybody hanging out. We, we missed a couple of days of school, about a week of school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just, oh, short changes, a couple days. <laughs> yeah, well, we got four freshmen on the team, right? So this is the time when Coach Donovan was, took their Orlando Magic job and came back after we won that championship. So we partying like this, the, the, like Joe Kendo, all them going to the NBA. We already know that we partying like them. So a week later, Coach called us in the office before he took the Orlando Magic job and said, "Yo." What the F are y'all doing? Y'all ain't did nothing. What are y'all out here doing? Party? I'm like, yo, coach, we just won a championship. What, what's going on? <laughs> Bro, from, after that, from that day on, at that time, I was probably like 245, 250. Mm. By the time Coach Donovan got done with us, like maybe a month, month and a half, I was like 232. I'm like, yo, we just won a championship, coach. He's showing us film. Like, we couldn't get, we couldn't get, we couldn't like, we were cheering on the bench and all that. He's like, yo, y'all don't do that no more. Y'all ain't done nothing here at the University of Florida. <laughs> like, coach, you get really humbling. That's what happened. But that was really a Bill of Diamond story that after we won a championship, he tried to take the credit away from us. But, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It is what it is. 
but we still enjoyed ourselves. Back then, the school was making a ton of money. Obviously, you all won a national championship. And with the NCAA rule change now where players can be paid, man, what's your thoughts on that? Tell me how that would have benefited you back then. I feel like that new rule is coming. It's going to be a lot, of, probably a lot of loopholes in it because you ain't going to be able to pay every single person. That mean, like, are you be able to pay the walk-ons, the guys who walk on, or you get what I'm saying? So, plant, plant. Who you gonna pay? You gonna pay all the schools? You gonna pay even D twos and D threes? So, I don't really know the rules, but like you saying, I heard that California's, I guess, starting to do it. So, people getting kids getting paid, now they want people to come to college more instead of just going overseas or something. Now they can just go to enjoy college and. and, and go through the experience and play basketball and get money for it. So, Yeah, I get it. I, I don't know about the, the walk-ons, but um, I feel like obviously the people that um, are putting the ball in the basket, that's, that's playing those minutes and things like that, everybody's important, obviously. So there should be some sort of compensation. But as far as like the – Joe Kim Noah's and things like that of that era back then, like, you know, they're selling his jerseys and selling bobbleheads of him and things like that. Like, he should get a percentage of that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because, that, like you're saying, those guys is bringing people to the games. And like you're saying, like, even like Tim Tebow and all those guys, man, I've I seen guys, I've seen grown people, like, crying when you see Tim Tebow walking up or Joe Kim walking up, really just crying. Like those kind of like, uh, yeah, so yeah, I do agree back then you should have got paid, but all the violations probably, people did probably get paid, but it was under the, it was yeah. under the table. It wasn't like how it's supposed to be is now, so right. never know. I, I think this rule is definitely uh, going to benefit some women more than men because, yeah, y'all yeah, been getting to the bag, you know, with the, with the boosters <laughs> and everything else, so... <laughs> Hey, Mo, what did you think about uh, when Tim Tebow all came on uh, ESPN a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about the players shouldn't be paid, you know. They shouldn't or should? They should not. He was like, yeah. they should not be paid. And he got a lot of scrutiny for that. So just hearing that, you know, one of your, you know, Gator brothers, you know, uh, what would you say to him saying, you know, the players shouldn't be paid? I could, under I could understand but you got first of all, you got to think about what guys come from, what kind of background they come from. Certain guys going to say that if they come from money. Guys who have just coming out of the hood, going to college, they're going to want to get paid. But I can understand what Tim Tebow is saying about they, should, they shouldn't get paid in a certain, um, certain aspect because once you get that money, you kind of get uh, side of, like basically like, oh, I'm cool now, I'm cool now. He's basically saying make them grind to get to the highest level of the sport they plan, then get paid. So he's probably that's what, the way he's probably saying it. Like, man, don't don't give them money now because they probably ain't gonna go hard as they should. Instead of them being hungry in college, like how it is now, being hungry in college, then to make it to the the top of the line. That's why I probably think he's saying that for because he already see college basketball, college basketball, college football. Guys kill still going hard compared to them getting a little money and they went, like, oh cool, we riding around in our own whips. We got this and that. You get what I'm saying? So maybe that's what he's saying, but I could kind of agree with him on a little on, on a little standpoint, but not fully. Mm, that's that Gator brother connection because I read into that totally different. I was like, Tim, you're an athlete. Yeah. What are we talking about? 
Shoot, yeah. give me a few dollars for, for groceries and things like that. Um, so I don't know. I, my stance was a little different. I feel like players should um, kind of be compensated because at the end of the day, we'll use Duke, for example, last year selling floor seats for $5,000 for a game. Right. Um, you know, they weren't there to see Coach K. They were there to see uh, Zion Williams. Like, like that, 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 that's what that is. So I, I see it from that perspective. And if I'm going that hard right now, like, pay me, please. <laughs> but we'll, we'll switch gears. Take me, take me back to 2009, man, where you were, you were drafted. You, you were in a draft class with guys like Derrick Rose, um, Westbrook, Kevin Love, JaVale McGee, um, different guys. So out of that class, like, wh what was it like when the commissioner called your name? Like, what was that feeling? What was going through your mind at the time? Man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a kid from St. Petersburg, Florida, that we known for uh, drugs and murders. You get what I'm saying? So for me, I wasn't educated about college. I wasn't educated even about the NBA. Growing up, I only thought it was the Chicago Bulls and Orlando Magic and Miami Heat. So for me, to be in that position that I was, it was, it was still so real, even when my name was called. Because I didn't go to the draft. I stayed home so I could have my people – I could have basically – my city around me to see and witness something that's never happened here before. So I stay here and have a big draft party. And like you said, being my name called, having my, uh, hearing my name called, it was, it was very emotional and crazy. It was, it was just a crazy experience. And that morning, the day of the draft, they kind of like the team will call you and say, if you dare, they'll pick you. We'll pick you. But you can like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These people say everything. To hear that, knowing that, oh, I'm going to get drafted still. But you still got the, uh, you never know what's going to be on So yeah. to, to be able to, when that, when that time came, it was crazy. It was very emotional. Everybody jumping on me. I almost <laughs> broke my neck. I'm like, damn, I got to get <laughs> you know, I had to go on that flight at 6 o'clock that morning. That draft class we had was really powerful. And it's kind of underrated right now in the, the draft with all those little guys, all of uh Gonna be Hall of Famers and All Stars, so it's a great track class to be a part of. We're gonna stay in 2009 when you first got to to Philly. You're on the roster with guys like Allen Iverson, Elton Brand, Drew Holiday, Lou Williams. Like, what was that practice like? Like, what it from from that first practice, and then what did those guys like teach you about being a pro? So when I first got there, you know, you're working out with all those guys. You, you go through – it's the process. You go through a little mini camp. Then you go to summer league. After summer league, you go to training camp. You're working out with the guys. Then you get your confidence built up. But when I first got there on that NBA court and training camp with the guys, like you're saying, those guys just came off a good series playing in Detroit the year before. And so they was young. Everybody was norm. Young Thad Young, young Lil Will. And you're saying Andre Goudal, had Andre Miller. You had Ellen Brand and – my, my one of my close friends, Reggie Evans, those guys really like taught me the way. Um, it was a young team, so we all kind of hanged out together. We all, everywhere we went, we, I mean, every place we went, we all hung out together. So the guys just really just taught me how to manage my time because it ain't college no more. You ain't wake up in the morning going to school, then go to practice. Nah, you wake up and go to the practice, then you don't have nothing else to do the rest of the day. So they'll teach me how to. Uh, manage my time, teach me how to stay out of the public eye in a, in a negative way. They'll teach me how to just be a man because I was still 20, 21. I just turned 21 when I got drafted, so I'm still young and 
young young guy from like I said from St. Petersburg, Florida, get a whole pocket big checks. And I'm like, I'm not used big to this. Bag. Yeah, was, you know what I mean? Get, getting checks you ain't, you ain't never seen before, and your parents never seen before. So it was it was definitely a humbling experience, and it made you want to uh, work more, and it was fun. So those guys really helped me out, man. Especially shout out to Reggie Evans, Theo Ratliff, and Daniel Marshall. So I know uh, those old heads, those vets you had, were telling you, young fella, don't go spend that bag. Don't go spend that bag. What was one of the craziest things you bought with that first big NBA check? Nah, my first my first thing I bought was my mom a crib, me a car. But I even then, I, I never really bought nothing crazy. But, like, I ain't never, like, say, oh, here, $100,000, I'm going to go buy this. Nah, nah, nah. But I always kind of, like... When I first got in the league, we had that's when Prados was going, uh, jury, all that kind of stuff. So I was definitely buying all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but other than that, what's the deal with NBA players always having the the little toiletry bag? You get that's a, a different why, animal, bro. That's a right, different why, I mean, why does a dude gotta walk in with a a Burberry uh, bag to put their toothbrush in? Why you can't just walk in with a <laughs> Walmart? Little, yeah, Walmart bag. <laughs> Man, as a professional, the, the, the different kind of person you are, because all professionals is different. A lot of guys like flashy kind of stuff like that, but I never got into the, having a torture bag and all that kind of stuff. I could get everything you got in that torture bag in the locker room because they have all that. They have toothbrushes and cologne and all that kind of stuff. So those guys, it's, it's, the, it's the personal space. They like the stuff they like, and they bring your stuff in that little pouch thing. So you had uh, guys like AI. You was in practice with AI. You were talking about practice here. What? So, uh, did you, I, I know you was. Were you that you weren't there, or were you there when that uh, AI practice thing was going on? No, 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 no. Okay, so, so I, got, I was with AI when he came back. Now, remember that time he came back? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice. But you was around him on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what? What was he like behind the scenes? So AI was real cool, man. I ain't gonna lie, one of the best people I've been around. So keep this. So we had a couple of practices, right? It's our first game. He he came back like game probably like ten. We was playing against the, uh, the Denver Nuggets. His first game back. So you know, in the NBA, if you got a seven o'clock game, you gotta be there before five thirty. You wow. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's his first game back. Him and the owner, they had a good relationship, but they kind of like hesitant a little bit. They kind of had a little tension to each other. But he walked in at six fifteen. They we running out on the we running out on the court at six like forty five to warm up. So he walk he he runs in the locker room and said, "Oh man, I forgot about this Philly traffic." I'm like what? He's like what? <laughs> I'm saying he literally coming here, you know, you always wear a do-rag, always had big clothes, white tee, whatever, stupid jewelry on. He came in there, gets Denver Nuggets, and have fun. He hang no, it wasn't against Denver Nuggets. It was this Lakers. It's Kobe. Damn. 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 Yeah. Damn. Well, this is a home or a, <laughs> this home is a home. Uh, home this game. is Kobe returning back to his home, turning back to Philly. So, you know, Kobe going to try to show out. That was a crazy, that was a crazy atmosphere I've ever seen. So AI walks in, six fifteen. Everybody's looking like, damn, they go AI. People was like, oh. Then he came in, yeah, man. I forgot how the traffic was out here. <laughs> like, it was rolling. So his main thing is before the game, 
He loud. He got Michael Jackson playing loud. That's all he listened to. Playing loud in the locker room. Walk around singing it. All that kind of stuff. Cool guy, man. Cool guy. Everywhere he go, it's a show. Everywhere, everywhere he go, it's a it's a show. Like Allen Iverson, the fans on the other team stand up. Ah, ah. It's a show. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. When uh when AI walks in, who was supposed to start in this place that night? So you know you had to start lineup already ready before a uh, certain time. So who was supposed to start? And then when he, that person sees AI walk in, he's like, oh shit. No, no, no. Ai was, was supposed to be there. He just was late for the game. Oh, he was so, just late. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he, so he was he starting the he starting regardless. But you know he, that's when Drew was there. Drew and Evan, I think Evan was there too. Who gave you the most fist last year? Like who was like, all right, this Mo space, we gonna give him a bucket. Man, I don't. I'm all, I always been a killer, bro. So I, I don't I don't really look at that kind of stuff. <laughs> But that preseason, my first year at preseason, I'm killing. I'm playing good. You get what I'm saying? People saying, oh, here's a steal. The first game one of the NBA season, I was inactive. I'm like, yo, what is, what's going on? Coach come up to me. He's like, Mo, you're you going to be in a, a suit today. I'm like, Coach, what is that? What happened? Because, you know, back then, you should, every time you be on active, you're supposed to get on there. For, you're supposed to be on an inactive list for five games. But now they had changed the rules. So I was only out for one game. Mm-hmm. After that, I never been. I never. I never was on that ever in my career. That's why I was hurt. So I was oh, like, yeah. "Yo, I'm saying the fans come behind the bench, like, Coach, what are you doing? Why is he in his suit? Because you know Philly fans is OD. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So easy. <laughs> so they, uh, after that, I never got back back there no more. So probably that. Speaking speaking of Philly fans. Uh, we saw a recent fight with uh, Mike Scott wearing a Redskins jersey. <laughs> if that was you wearing a Buccaneers jersey, what would have went down? <laughs> Man, I would never got that. I would never got that emotional attached to what the people saying. You get what I'm saying? He probably used to look probably a little tipsy and probably <laughs> felt some kind of way. They probably telling him something. And he was like, "Man, I'm gonna take off on him." <laughs> nah, I <laughs> definitely took flight. You know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah. Meek Mill got people feeling like Philly to the death of them. Like, you got to represent. You got to defend what you got to defend. Yeah, that's my guy, too. By the way, Meek Mills, that's how oh, him I and Lou Williams always be cool. We always, that's before, we was up there before you got big. So, Braves and all that kind of stuff. Nappy Braves that lock, yeah. right? <laughs> but he always been big up there in that try. He was only doing shows in like Philly and. Delaware and all that kind of stuff, but he was huge. He was the biggest name in the rap game in the world in Philly area, that tri-state area over there. He did a show, sold out. Oh, it's stupid. Nuts. I've never seen nothing like that either. Yeah, rocks with me. Real is rare, and he's he's one of them rappers that you come from it, you come from it, and you, you believe everything that come out of his mouth. So mm-hmm. shout out to Philly. Yeah, shout out to Philly. Philly fans, stand up. That's like your 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 home away from home. Yeah, it's kind of like when I left there, it kind of like was bittersweet because the situation with Doug Collins was there. Mm-hmm. It kind of like made it seem like I was the bad guy. You, had me, you know what I mean? So the first couple of years there, I'm, I'm playing good. I'm having a good career. I'm having starting off a good career as a 16 pick, not being able to start, but I'm still coming out here. My second year, I started off the 
sec third leading scorer, averaging 17 and like eight through 10 games. And I got hurt in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? And then I, I set out for a month and a half. And we had a bad season. But other than that, when Doug, Doug kind of got there and kind of like messed the whole team up. And he kind of had me in a situation that Philly fans think it's me, something wrong with me. But I'm here working every day and you always come to me saying this and that. Go talk to a psychologist and all this kind of crazy stuff. So he kind of had them fans against me for me not even doing anything. So in that situation, that's why I was able to train the year I got traded from there. I didn't do training camp. I just sat on the sideline knowing that I got to get out of here. You get what I'm saying? It's my, it's basically my last string. And they, he's trying to like mess me over. I was like, I'm not having that. And I got traded in Memphis and that's when my, that's when my career took off. But Philly will always be a, a home for me because I met a lot of great people there. I got a good friend that still basically helped me become a pro. He, he stayed with me sometimes in the cream. So that will always be a place um, that I could call home and go to it, no problem. So once you, you lead the Sixers, you go to Memphis, you kind of have a cup of coffee with a few teams in the league, and then you finally end up with the Golden State Warriors. What was that time like just going to the Warriors? You know, Steph Curry had just won, I believe, his first MVP or was on his way to his first MVP when you got there. No, uh, no. Nah, so so the, when I first got to the Warriors, that's when they first had came off that uh, series with the Spurs in Denver the year before. And when they start, everybody started like, oh, who is that little light-skinned kid? That's okay. when they, you know what I mean? Remember that series? Then I got there, Doc Mark Jackson was my coach, and we lost right. to the Clippers in game seven. But the next year, that's the next two years, that's when Steph won them MVPs. Being a warrior, you know, I've heard about some, some of the things behind the scenes, some of the, you know, travel. Y'all used to travel with three and four buses, you know, fans mm-hmm. would be standing outside the hotel, you know, like the Beatles of the NBA, you know, just kind of take us behind the scenes on what was that like? Man, if all right, so so my first year I got there was Mark Jackson. We had a great season. We ended up losing to the Clippers because our big guy Andrew Bogut real just broke. All right, so cool. That that in that locker room after that last game of Game Seven when we was about to fight Clippers, we sat down like, "Yo, everybody get better and come back next year. We gonna make some noise." But so we come back next year, all everybody love us. Cause we never we don't we ain't did anything. We got these light skinned boys on our team shooting the ball. We, we, we great kid, great team over here. So we 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 sneak it up on people, beating people. Then that middle of the season, we it got serious. So the buzz is getting there. The buzz is getting there. The city was going crazy. The support going was going crazy. It's, it's like college town out there. You can't really go places because everybody don't come up to you. You get what I'm saying? So. Just like a college town, then that's when Steph won the MVP. So that year, we snuck up on everybody, and then we won 60-something games that year. 50-something. The year we won it. So we, we won that. We went through that. Boom. I was like, damn, man, that's – you know I mean? We're talking about it the whole year. I say, bro, what – we always say, like, yo, what if we ever won a championship? What are we going to do? So it was just a story then, and then it turned to reality. You get what I'm saying? So it kind of caught everybody – by surprise, you know what I mean? So that year it was what it is, what it is. We won a championship, crazy parade party, crazy Vegas trip, did all that kind of stuff. Then the next year got, now we the most hated team. <laughs> Everybody hate us now. 
eardrums buzzing yet? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. Enough of us. Now let's get back to the show. What was Vegas like? Like what? Give us a little insight on that. I know people married now. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But give us just a little bit of what was that like? So, all right, boom. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the whole trip. So we got our plane, one of the warrior owners, whoever, got us a plane. So we got our own plane. So it's, it's us and the, and the flight attendants who are taking us. So James McAdoo is a rookie there. He won the championship. Andre Iguodala bets any <laughs> Andre betted any rookie on the plane to run up and down the plane, butt naked, rumming their stomach. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? <laughs> Whoever did it, they get a brand new car. Wow. So James McAdoo did it. So when we got back from Vegas, he got a brand new Jeep. Fresh, clean, hooked up Jeep. He had to run up and down. So the flight attendants was going crazy on there seeing him doing that. <laughs> so we hop. So, all right, so boom, we fly to Vegas. We got the top two floors at the um, Aria Hotel. All those got suites. You know what I'm saying? We got a we got a million dollar budget for the weekend. Hey, <laughs> I was in the whole weekend. Yeah. Million dollar budget. Damn. We got we got a million dollar budget. So we go to the club the first night. And he's got like three hundred thousand dollars for liquor. We then we're on stage and. Well, I'm always in the back. I ain't really all into that being in the front, in front of all that kind of action. So I'm in the back. I'm looking at, and this is crazy. You know what I mean? So we just had. Then after that night, it was crazy. All the other uh, stuff I ain't gonna talk say, talk about on here. Shenanigans, right? Yeah. Then the next day, we had a crazy pool party there. Another three hundred thousand dollars for liquor, champagne everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just hanging out. Everybody's hanging out. So, and then just 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 being able to walk around in Vegas and everybody just said, congratulations and congratulations and this congratulations. everybody taking pictures everywhere you go. Like I said, we got big suite. We got all us got damn penthouses up there. So we got all our family, my family out there with me. We hanging out, having a good time, and it was crazy, man. It was kind of a blur, big blur. Then we got back. Then we had the uh, parade. What y'all do with three hundred thousand dollars of liquor? Hold on, you you missing another three hundred thousand? You said it was a million. What happened to the other three hundred thousand? Yeah, that's our, that was our budget, bro. We didn't have to spend it all. <laughs> Shoot, three hundred thousand on liquor. Y'all shouldn't have been spending. Y'all should have been sleep for three days. Yeah, we was after that. It definitely was after that trip. The first, you know, the pr- first championship, the parade. You know, I think I remember hearing Coach Kerr saying that, you know, you're going to be that bucket getter off the bench. So take us into the how you got the nickname Mo Buckets. So think about the championship year we won. The, before All-Star break, I was the third leading scorer behind Stephen Clay. I was averaging close to 15 points before All-Star break. Then we came back after All-Star break – Somebody came back, so he went down to like 11 points a game. I was still like the fourth leading scorer on the bench, but in the playoffs. But during that season, I used to come in the game without like straight off the bench. I'm I'm ready to go. So my my teammate Brandon Rush, my coach Frazier, came up and like B Rush. He's like, "Damn, old buckets." You get what I'm saying? It's like. 
because he'll call me Mo. Then he'll say, that boy get buckets. You get what I'm saying? Then he started saying, Mo buckets. Then ESPN caught it. All that stuff caught it. And then that's how I took off. And now people barely know my name. All the kids be like, Mo buckets, Mo buckets. You know what I'm saying? So, buckets. so on that team, y'all had the Brazilian Blur. Y'all had the Splash Brothers. Y'all had... Mo Buckets, y'all just a team full of nicknames. Yeah, team full of nicknames. Sitting, and, and you know what else is so crazy that year? Our starters didn't play in 25 fourth quarter games. Wow. <laughs> so the first year we won it was, was gravy. It was fresh going to the playoffs. That's why the second year caught up with us because they, they was trying to chase the, the, the record and they, they played in every game, so. It's kind of caught up with us. When y'all won a championship over my Cavs in 2015, um, putting y'all in very rare air, you know, joining players like Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Isaiah Thomas, um, as players that won both the NCAA and NBA championship. What's that like? Like, what, what's, what's that like to, to achieve greatness like that? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm number 42 right now. That So my, my people always remind me of that. Sometimes I kind of – I don't really forget, but I don't really talk about it. But to be in it, like you're saying, to be able to be one of those guys, to be accomplished, to do that, it's really a humbling and a blessing uh, feeling to, to be one of those guys because I'm in a that, – that's in the record. Like you never could take from me. No matter what happened in my career, what happened in life, that's something that's always going to be there that – Things I uh, I came uh, think the way I came up the, the way my parents was raised me and not having a dad and not having an uncle and all those being locked up and all that kind of stuff it comes back to I was able to make it out of a situation make it out of um, probably and become a champion at all levels you get what I'm saying so it was it, 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 it's, it's always a humbling and blessing experience for me. Absolutely. So do you, have you ever, like, any of those guys contact you that's on that dual um, NCAA NBA championship roster? I know you said you're number 42, but, you know, Magic Johnson, Bill Russell, and those guys, you ever speak to any of those guys? No, uh, sometimes I'll speak to them when I see them. You know I mean, just to show my respect, because I'm always going to show my respect to the oldest guys who did the stuff before I did it, because absolutely, Pave without the them... You know what I mean? Without them, it won't be really be. You know what I mean? Basketball won't be what it is without those guys who, who led the way for us. So I always show my respect to guys who did it before me. So, yeah, I speak to those guys when I see them. Man, speaking of laying the foundation and, and the the older, the, the vets, and when basketball was like, man, let's talk about today's game. Doc Rivers find 50K. For Kawhi Leonard, uh, not not playing, he's he's on moderation minutes. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that, man? Well, that's what I, I think. That's coming back to all these analytic stuff. This NBA stuff is going through like analytics and putting monitors on your back and all that kind of stuff. But eighty-two games is kind of a beast to be going out there and playing thirty-two games, thirty-two minutes, thirty-four minutes a day a game. So. It's kind of like Doc should be managing a little better that knowing that he need these top guys should be playing on national television games. 
don't take those national television games for granted. And, and that's why they probably find because it was a national television game. <laughs> like, you can't right. you do that. So I think that's the coaches or GM's fault that they ain't really managing it right. Right. Like, right by, like, uh, studying the TV games. That's why I say he could arrest another game, not that game, because it's a big matchup. I agree, man. But my personal opinion would be the, the, the summer was just here. You just rested. Like, you, yeah, you can't be right. tired right now. Like, the season just started. What are we talking about? But are the Clippers the stepchild in L.A.? Come on, now. Answer, <laughs> answer correct. Say the right things, Mo. Right we now? friends. Say the right. Right now, you know the king is in L.A. So say the right thing. The Lakers. Stepchild or not. <laughs> California will always be Laker state. That's a Laker state. Laker town. L.A. is the Lakers. Even when I was there, that's all Lakers. Laker, Laker, Lakers. Clippers is definitely <laughs> that the, the kid what's left in the room and can't come out and play. So My they, guy. Yeah. It is really like that. But right now it's probably getting closer and closer to you know what I mean. The buzz with the Clippers and the buzz with Lakers is almost there, but you're saying you got LeBron on the LA Lakers side, so it's not that so far when away. You, when you left uh the Warriors and you went down to LA when you was you were a part of that quote unquote Lob City team, you yeah, had you, Chris Paul, Blake, DeAndre, DeAndre. all them. Yeah. what was that like being a part of Lob City? Because even though it was the Clippers, Lob City was running it at that time. No, I ain't gonna. <laughs> no, nah, come just, on, come on. The Lakers were trash at that time. Yeah, we were definitely, we definitely <laughs> smacking. The, the king wasn't there. <laughs> the, the king was not in LA. Right. Oh, oh you, if you didn't, if you didn't realize that she is a Clevelander and yeah, she is yeah. a, a King James all the way. I'm just making you no. aware that King was not there. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. And then LA, but it still was a Laker team. Them being bad, it's still a Laker town. It's a Laker town. Clippery Wheels good, but it's still a Laker town, man. It's, can't can't do nothing. Can't do nothing about that. Can't do nothing about it. But the team we had with the Clippers is a, a lot of superstars in on there, and it, it just wasn't a family kind of family kind of team bond. Like we didn't really bond off the court. Like with that team, you'll probably have Chris Paul got an event. Um, Paul Pierce probably had an event. Uh, Blake got an event on the same day. So it's not really like you go support each one of the events because LA is huge. You probably got to go hour that way, hour. You know what I mean? So that kind of stuff wasn't there. And that's what kind of humbled me when I left. Cause I'm like, yo, the Warriors, Warriors every road game, we're going to eat dinner together after the game. We got all our family eating dinner together. And over here, after you get out of practice, <laughs> you ain't never going to see no teammate talk to no teammate or even go hang out with no teammate like that. Or on the road, you're not even going to see your team until breakfast beat. And the best teams bond. The best the championship teams bond. They bond. And that's why they win championships. If you think you got, you, you got too much things going on off the court and you can't bond together, that's when it's, it's, it's kind of like separate. You don't really win like that. I think when Chris Paul was on the Rockets, he went back to the Clippers and he got like some some fight or some kind of scuffle in like the, 
the 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 underground railroad or something like that, the backroom tunnel. What's that? What was that about? Now, I'm saying, you know, that happened with us with the Warriors with them too. But you talking about when they played the, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like a all right. So a locker room with the visitors and a locker room with the Clippers is literally you can lay down and touch it, but it's like a little tunnel will connect. It's like a, a tunnel between them that you could walk out there and get your food, and you'll see the Clippers guys back there walking through the back. So you could like if you yell like yo, if I'm yelling yo, you could hear them. You're <laughs> right there, and it's, it's a ton of. They had to have security back there, but if you really, if they really wanted to do something, they could have got to each other. You know what I mean? So some of these guys be acting like they like that, but if you really want to get somebody, you gonna get to somebody. Right. We you know noticed I mean? that from back in the days when, yeah. shoot, when, when they wanted to get you, they got you. Carl Malone and them was not playing games. <laughs> I remember there was a national TV game you were playing with the Clippers and y'all playing the Warriors on TNT. And I think that it was a play, if I remember correctly, it was a play that Jamal Crawford had the ball. He dribble penetrated and drew two defenders. And I think he lied it back to you and you power dribble went up and you tried to dunk it and you got hung. And all your Warriors, ex-Warriors teammates were just rolling on the <laughs> bench. After that game, did they like give you any shit about it or no, talk a little noise to you? That's what I'm saying. If they were, I was on Lakers, probably, but you know, the Clippers. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, nah, they because they, they see me pitting on a lot of people's heads, so it's like, oh, emotions might have took off too far or something. So after you know you 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 done playing in NBA ten year ten year vet, you last year decided to take your quote unquote talents to China. Take your game overseas. So the year before I signed with Orlando Magic, I signed with the Magic, and that was my tenth year. Because I, I always said I, I just want to get my tenth year on my belt, and then I, I, I try to go somewhere else. So I got that tenth year on the belt. I was close to home. I got a lot of business opportunity when I was down here. So I was like, well, they hit me up again because the year before Orlando, China teams was hitting me up like, man, we want you to come. I was like, nah, I just want to get my tenth year. So after my Orlando season, I already knew I was gonna go. The China because they was blowing me up already during the season. Mm-hmm. And I met with them two weeks after the season was over, and they came over here. Then I was like, "Man, I'm gonna experience this," and, I, and, and that's why I made the decision to go over there. And if I would go back playing over there, it'd be way better than I was the first time because I went over the first time not used to a lot of stuff that was going on, like bringing your uniform and bringing your shoes and flying in the airport and all that kind of stuff and. Having a, having a team who you plan, pick your hotel and all that kind of stuff, man. You've been in, you've been in a fraternity for 10 straight years and you get out of it and try to go somewhere else. This is definitely a humble experience, but I feel like it was it was a good experience too. I'm not going to say it was all bad. It was just a, a experience I wasn't used to. And, and that's why I say if I go back, it'd be way better because I know what to expect. Before I went over there, I didn't know what to expect. So that's why I was like that. Yeah, let's let's talk a little more about that. Um, I had the the opportunity to play professionally for a few years. Played in uh, Helsinki, Finland. Played in Germany. Um, love Germany, but let, let's just talk about tell people the experience of just being overseas um, as opposed to in the states. Um, the food, the like you said, the travel, the the weather. The I mean, it's it's different. Let's 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 talk about it. Yeah, being overseas, especially China, is definitely different. It's so far from the home. You just can't mm-hmm. 
it's a 12 hour difference and the pollution in the air is crazy. Uh, but in Guangzhou, I was in Guangzhou, so it's a South city close to Hong Kong and all those good places. So I was on a It's kind of like being in Florida. It was hot. Just a lot of people. We lived in a great hotel and, and me and my guy E found a lot of different restaurants to go to. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my guy E on the podcast, <laughs> but for finding all the spots to go to to eat at. But being away from your family, man, you just can't hop on no plane and just go home like that. You can't because you don't. You can, but you don't really want to because it's twenty some hours. Then the, the, the basketball wise is, is way different because you you, you kind of like the guy now. You, you're not just a, a role player no more. You're a guy now, especially in China. You you, you got to be the guy. You got to go out there and score 20 plus or whatever. If you're not, if you're not having your, uh, a great game, they don't want it. Oh, what's wrong with him? Um, is he partying too much? Is What's wrong with him? You get what I'm saying? So you kind of like the guy over there when they bring you over there. It's not like you cannot go. It's no slumps. You, you, you cannot go through no slumps. If <laughs> you go through some slumps, you got to look over your back. And yeah, that's, that's a fact. That's kind of the same thing on the women's side. You know, you, yeah. You brought over there to score, and and that's that. Um, let's talk about your family. I know that you're married now. Does does your wife travel with you? Um, you know, if she didn't the first time, the first go around, you know, what was that like? That distance, and and how did that work? No, nah, she my first year over there, the last year over there in China, she she did come with me, and that's why I think it probably would have been better if I went by myself to to learn and get used to this stuff by myself then bring her because she got older parents she got older parents and then uh her dad was kind of sick so she was coming she would travel back and forth a little bit but she was always come over there and like after like two weeks she'll be kind of missing home because she got to take care of her, her mom and her dad because she's like the the main person so it was it was kind of tough in a certain situation that i had to manage to had to manage being a player and and, and kind of like had to manage a lot of stuff with myself because being an athlete, man, you go through a lot of different stuff and people outside of your, outside of a non-athlete don't really know how to uh, handle what you're going time, right? Yeah, they don't understand. Like, you, you kind of need, you got to have a routine. I got always had a routine. When I come home, I got to have certain stuff and, and that kind of stuff, people don't really, if you ain't no athlete, you don't really understand. You're like, oh, it's okay. My fault, my fault. Knowing that, no, nah, it's not, no, nah, you can't keep saying my fault because this is my routine mentally. That's how I get prepared for my games. That you, It was kind of like a uh, 50-50. I, sh- I think I should have been over there first and let her come after. But okay. if I went back, I'd make her, I'd make sure she stay here and take care of the house, her house. So what are, I'm gonna go. Well, what what about the food? Like, what is what what was that like? Um, I don't know your wife. I don't know if she cooks and things like that, but I'm pretty sure it's a difference in having somebody there when you come from a game, come from practice, food and thing to help with the routine, as opposed to not being there and you have to basically fend for yourself. What's the, you know what's that like? It was it, it, like I said, it, it was great sometimes, but sometimes you know I mean, you get emotions get to a lot of different situations that. Sometimes she forget, and it's probably shut down because they miss. I mean, she probably missed home, but she was always she'll cook sometimes. She was, she was making sure we have food sometimes, but mostly for me, I was making sure. I know I like I make sure some gonna be there because I don't want those situations that we be like, oh, I thought she was gonna get. It. I thought miscommunication. 
It's that. I'll just take the control and just order something and I already have something there for not to put the pressure on nobody else. You know what I mean? Because this is my routine. I know that I need to be ready to play. And sometimes, like I said, they don't really take it. You get what I'm saying? So the food thing was at home, it was it was cool. On the road, it, it wasn't no way she could cook or nothing like that. But we always found places to eat. Like I said, E was real good with helping us places to eat. And even our team, certain places that make sure we have orange chicken, rice. And- I was just about to ask you, you <laughs> if E's finding the, the restaurants, we be eating at a volcano, shrimp and rice every day. <laughs> so I know you was eating Chinese food, no, no, basically, no, no, on no, a no, daily no. basis. No, no, no. No, 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 so, let me, so let me kind of give you a little insight. So... We were over there, uh, some places we was eating like Morton Steakhouse. Yeah. We was eating at uh, Cheesecake Factory, Roof Chris. Okay. So most so people don't know, they see these restaurants in the United States, the, they don't know that they're overseas as well. So every day, I mean, Mo didn't even mention that we had chefs that will make yeah, us cook everything. food at the hotel. We were, stand, we were staying at a five-star hotel, uh, Sofitel, really nice hotel, uh, every day, three meals a day, we the chefs will be making uh, turkey burgers and salmon and everything over there. This is the big rich awesome. town. Hey, yeah. Out there, you know what I mean? Yeah, out back, all that. I don't know what spot we found. The one spot you saying with the chicken. I mean, what's the spot? Oh, we, had, oh, we had a chicken and waffle spot in China. See? Oh, my God. It was a chicken and waffle spot. Owned by a Chinese American from Mississippi, and this place was in China. Crazy. Yeah, that's that's Super crazy. Because uh, to the naked eye, you would think that you know what you see on TV: rice, noodles, <laughs> dumpling. Oh, that's yeah. definitely there. That's definitely there now. Oh, 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 there. Dog, dog, oh, dog. Yeah. Yeah. The thousand ducks running back of the truck. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's there. Lamb, all that. Did any NBA guys hit you up and be like, yo, Mo, you know, what is it like over there? I'm thinking about going over there, over there next year. So I remember you said that you had thought about going a year prior. So while you was in China, any of them dudes hit you up and be like, oh, yo, what is it like? Oh, like, take, like, what were dudes saying? They just asked me because, you know, I was putting, like, a lot of different stuff on WeChat and, like, social media. Like, bro, like, bro what is that? I was like, they was like, is that a, a roasted dog? Remember the barbecue place we went to? Like, they'll be asking how you eating and how is the game and all that kind of stuff. And like only, we only struggle with eating when we go to the North, like the North places when it's cold, but we, we found a couple of plus, but, and then the hotel, sometimes our team won't, won't really give us a good pregame meal. So we have to find, kind of like find food to eat. So they'll just ask us how the food is and, how the living is and all that kind of stuff. How the people, because you know the people have their phones up. Every five seconds you walk, people taking pictures and coughing on you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> kind of give people like what the hotel or on the road was like versus in the NBA. Tell them, tell them what the NBA hotel is like and what a, on the road and what a Chinese hotel is like on the road. Well, NBA hotels is basically you walk in the room, you know, no matter what city you're in, curtains gonna open up. They're gonna say welcome Maurice on the TV. <laughs> so they're gonna have <laughs> So you might have a suite, you're gonna have a big fruit plate, you're gonna have a big water and Gatorade on the table. 
walk in China. Water. Yeah, Fiji water for sure. Walk in China, you walk in a hotel, you might <laughs> you might see all kind of different stuff in there. You might have fire mold or something in there. You might something might be in there. But for me, it was a couple of times that it was like, man, nah, we can't stay in this hotel. We gotta go. So, but it just makes sense. It don't make sense how the team you who you plan provides your hotel. That don't make sense at all. <laughs> so yeah, that's like you know you used to custom being NBA style, China style. It's like so many things that we just are used to that they pattern the game after our game and they want it to be like the quote unquote NBA over there, but it's just <laughs> certain things are just so far from the truth. Especially you go to shoot around and it's winter time. You go to shoot around. It's uh 25 degrees colder inside and outside. And they, and they, and they especially just to go out there and just have shoot around. Then you go to uh, <laughs> Then, then you go to a lot of arenas. They don't have concession stands, so the fans can't really do go nowhere and get no food or nothing because there's no concession stands. Then mostly all the locker rooms smell like smoke uh, or bathroom stuff. So some of them, it's not really no locker rooms. You just they just put you in the room and you just make it work. Forget how to work. So, but like I said, that's something that I didn't. I didn't um, I didn't expect, and it'd be better if I ever went back. With the with the current going back, the NBA just had with the team that just went over there recently, just had this whole NBA China big ordeal situation going on, and now the Chinese don't want certain NBA teams to come back. So, what do you think about being in China and being a ten year NBA player? What do you think about the whole current situation with the Chinese and the NBA being at odds? Yeah, that's kind of I didn't really I didn't really know what was going on with that kind of situation. I just know something about the Houston or something. But right. that's a that's a market that a lot of people don't understand that people in China really love the NBA basketball. And to be able to have an NBA teams, NBA teams go over there and the kids to be able to see them, be close to them, even touch them sometimes is, is really a big deal for a lot of people is just not in China, but all around the world. So that's not that's not a bridge you shouldn't we shouldn't try to burn. It's, it's a bridge we should try to establish just because future stuff down the line and, and those kids over there really cherish and look up um, to the to NBA players. So so what's next, Mo? Like you you went to the NBA. Um, we saw you went to the NBA player development coaching clinic. Mm -hmm. You have your own AAU team. Like what's, what's next? Well, for me, like I was saying, it's basically working on the things I have offside of basketball, on uh, different business, um, then working on, like you're saying, the coaching standpoint, uh, my AAU team and getting those kids placed in college. And then just me just staying ready because, uh, something might happen. You know what I mean, I might go back to play or, or something might happen. So that's up in the air. It's not really something that I, I think about every day. I just really just live, work out, just, just try to just keep my body ready to play. And then just, you know what I mean, nicking and down with different stuff, my business stuff, and make sure the family's great. You know what I mean? All, all the kind of stuff what I need to do right now to um, just be successful. What are you doing to stay ready? 
No, I got a group of guys who work out every day, every morning at 930, shooting, playing, and lifting. And then sometimes I just, later that day, we just go on the field and run. So I just just stay ready, you know what I mean? Just really my body, not really my game. Yeah, for sure. Well, you you already know, man. If you need to come to Chicago, we got a uh, right opportunity. Yeah, it's cold. Not in our gym. It ain't China. 25 degrees colder. We got heat. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, Shit is warm inside. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever need, you know, take you a week or two, come, come get some work. You know, your peoples are here. We rooting for you. Um, we support you. And, man, keep doing what you're doing, inspiring the youth, your AAU team. I look forward to seeing, um, you know, them develop as, as young men and maybe go off to college and things of that nature. But keep keep grinding. It'll happen for you. Appreciate y'all for letting me be on this podcast, man. I'm excited for y'all up and coming. A podcast y'all got, man. Hopefully y'all get a lot of great people on here and be able to put on the platform that a lot of people will be able to hear and a lot of people could be able to um, – benefit off it we appreciate you mo thank you brother as always man I look forward to to seeing what's next man i appreciate you all right man good luck to y'all and thank y'all all right thank you later smoke buckets yeah thanks for listening to another episode of the no referees podcast please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Till the next episode, we out.